Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meeting weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. everyone. Such a good day to be in God's house and we're so thrilled with the things that God is doing and many of you have uh, joined us in the last year. Do you know that there's more of you that joined us in the last year than there were before? So that's neat. Um, More of us are new than not new and that's, if you're new, it's a good time to be new because we're all kind of new. So it's really good to be here. We're going to continue in our series called Encounters with Jesus And um, for the last number of weeks, we've been looking at people who encountered Jesus and how that changed everything about their lives and about their, um, the trajectory of their, both their family and their legacy. And we've been uh, talking about the statement that said, our discipleship as Christians is explicitly tied to how much time we spend with the presence and person of Jesus. So we can never get enough of Jesus. Uh, None of us, uh, to my knowledge, are done growing yet. There's still things in all of our lives that need to be transformed. And the person of Jesus is what and who is going to transform that. Today I want to look at a text found in the um, book of John. If you have your Bibles or your phone or you can follow along on the PowerPoint behind me. The book of John chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 43 to 50. It says this, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. If, you, if you're um, following along with your Bible, you can circle that word, finding Philip. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from here? Nathanael asked. Come and see, Philip said. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So this is an interesting uh, passage because it actually is uh, the very first time. We often, in the, when we're studying the scriptures, say Peter was the first person to say that Jesus was Messiah, but that in fact is not true. Uh, Nathaniel said it first. He said, you're the rabbi, the Messiah. But Nathaniel, uh, for some of you, you relate to Nathaniel because he's what you call snarky. Um, he's not exactly like, um, like he's not like a seasoned church person that knows to be polite. He's kind of, he's like a little bit rude. Like I, I think, uh, we, we sometimes don't appreciate this in the English, but when you read it in the Greek, what you'll find is that he's like super rude. Like he's like mom and dad, if you have a teenager who went on that retreat this weekend, you also pray for all of our youth leaders and I told them I'd preach short today because they are have their eyes open with toothpicks right now. And the teenagers as well. I see you up there sleeping. Um, 
Okay, so, but Nathaniel is like, um, he's both rude to his friend Philip, who says, can anything good come out of uh, Galilee? And, and then, or, um, is it, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And then he's also rude when Jesus talks to him and says, he says, how do you know me? But he's saying it kind of in a rude way. It, it's interesting because um, it says, the scripture tells us that Philip was from Bethsaida. But what you need to know geographically is that Bethsaida was like very near Galilee and very near Nazareth. And so when uh, Nathaniel says to Philip, Nazareth, can anything good come out of there? He's basically dissing his friend too. Like you're from the wrong side of the tracks, buddy. Like you might be chosen, but I'm not of that kind of person. And it got me thinking this week, it's interesting to make a few observations about this text, um, that Jesus finds Philip, but he also finds Nathaniel. And there are some of us here who are like Philip, right? You found, G somebody told you about Jesus and you were like, yes, this makes sense. I'm gonna, I will put up my hand. I'm the first one to like come down, march down. The, and then there are some of you like Nathaniel. And you've been a little bit harder to convince. You're what people describe as a skeptic. And what we can observe from this text is that there's lots of ways to come to Jesus and that we've got to be people that don't judge the ways that we come to Jesus. So some of us come and it's real easy. And then some of you have been sitting in church for the last 17 years and I, I would think that some of you, before you got up this morning, went, I don't even know if I can go today. I hope they preach short. But churches, we have this real bad habit of judging the way that people believe, yes? Like if you don't sign up for 17 classes and you aren't ready to do all the things right away, well, I guess you're like doubting Thomas. We kind of say that like it's this very, well, you don't have faith even like a mustard seed. But it's interesting Jesus' reaction to someone like Nathaniel, isn't it? Jesus doesn't say to him, well, aren't we snarky today? You woke up on the wrong side of the bed, clearly. And you're kind of a pessimist. And to be a Christian, didn't you know that you need to be an optimist? Didn't you guys know that? You're supposed to be an optimist if you're a Christian. No, no Jesus doesn't say that. Here's what Jesus says. He says, uh, he says, Nazareth, can anything good come from here? By the way, uh, Nathaniel probably, most scholars think that Nathaniel thinks, uh, says this not because he's just cranky and hates Nazareth, although it probably did have a little bit of uh, connotation to it, but also because he was a student of the scripture. Because if you look in the book of Isaiah, Jewish people at the time were looking for somebody from where? Bethlehem. So when Philip says, hey, listen, I found the Messiah, and he's from Nazareth. Well, Jesus had grown up in Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem. Philip didn't give him that. He, he says, hey, 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 hold up. Hold up. I don't even know if this is true. Biblically speaking, I'm not sure if this is right. But there are many ways to come to Christ, first observation we can make. Some of you are here and have felt like a second-class Christian because you're what is described as a skeptic. You ask questions about things. You're not sure if that, mm, I'm not sure. Can I just say Jesus calls Philip's and he calls Nathaniel's. 
And you might be a Nathaniel. I want to tell you that you're welcome. You're welcome with all your doubts. You're welcome with all your questions. You're welcome with all of your ideas and thoughts. And it's okay. We don't have to be one way. And I think as Christians, we, we got to keep telling ourselves more of that. Because it leads to less division. Because if I recognize that perhaps I, I'm built like Philip and you're built like Nathaniel, oh, it's okay, I need you. I need you to ask the questions about the scriptures and does this line up with the word of God. I, I need you to kind of put your, put your elbows up and sharpen me. We're not looking to build clones, right? We're looking to build people. And, and the awesome thing is, is that Jesus finds us. We don't find him. Isn't that awesome? Jesus went looking for you. In all of your questions and doubts, in all of your um, wondering, wonderings, and this is the mystery of God. And this is what makes us different than a cult. Can I just speak? This is what makes us different than a cult. Because in a cult, like if we were a cult, we would say everybody's got to kind of be the same. We're all going to drink the same Kool-Aid and we're all going to dress the same way and please everybody. If you didn't get your three-piece suit before you came in, we'll loan you one when you come. And we're all going to be exactly the same. This is why we say that, that in our church we're calling for a diversity of ideas, a diversity of ages, a diversity of uh, people from different countries. We, we, don't, we don't need to all be the same. And in Jesus picking, his disciples shows us just that. So we all come to Christ in different ways. None of us is less than. Jesus didn't have like tears, like Nathaniel, you're on the bottom end. Well, you got in, but just by this, I needed 12, so... Can I just speak a little bit candidly to some of you that feel like you're second-class Christians? To feel like you're, because of your doubts, because of your questions, you felt like, um, like you're, you're in, but just by the skin of your teeth. And if you can just pretend enough, perhaps everyone will just let you. There are no second-class Christians. There are no second-class uh, people who belong to Jesus. Then I want you to notice this, where Jesus, so Nathaniel has a snarky comment, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip says, come and see. And then when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. In the King James Version, it says, a true Israelite without guile. Okay, so like, have you ever wondered why Jesus said that? Like was Jesus, because so this is the question I had when I, began to study this. Was he buttering Nathaniel up because he knew he was cranky? Like sometimes parents, you do this with your kids. Maybe I'm just the only one that does this with my kids. Like I know that they're feeling, he looks so beautiful today. Or you meet someone who um, in your office on Monday morning who looks troubled in their face and troubled at the coffee station. <laughs> They've had their 14th coffee and now you've got to interact with them. And then you start with like, Oh, I really like that color on you. You look really rested after the weekend. Wow, I really liked you. And you know you try to butter people up so that they will not. You're all looking at me like I never do that. <laughs> I have never done that in my life. Okay, so, but th this is not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was not a flattering kind of person. He wasn't a person that said things that were lies. He was Jesus. Right? He's not. So what is he doing? What, what's happening here? 
I want to suggest this, that Jesus knows us and always calls out the best in us. This is the way of God. This is the way of Jesus. And this reminds us, if you were a Jewish reader reading this, you would have right away thought about um, the calling of Gideon in the book of Judges. Okay, so if you, if you have time this week, you can look at Judges chapter 6. Gideon's this really nervous person who doesn't think he's much. He's from the worst tribe, and he's like the least in his tribe. No, he's nobody. And the angel of the Lord comes to Gideon and says, Mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. It's like basically this very funny passage because he doesn't feel like a mighty warrior at all. And so the question we ask of that text is, was the angel lying? Was the angel trying to butter Gideon up? I want to suggest that he wasn't. I, 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 want, I want to say today that God, who knows you best, is best at calling out the best in you. He knows exactly how he's built you with strengths. And he's found Nathaniel in all of his crankiness and says, Ah, Nathaniel, here's a person in whom there's no deceit. I want to say that sometimes this way of Jesus, this way of encountering people, we forget about this. We sometimes think that it would be better that we would um, point out the few little flaws in people because, you know, we're into improvement, improving people. And, and we get up on Monday morning and sometimes we think, I am the improvement police today. I'm going to improve everybody here. I'm going to improve my whole family. Then I'm going to go to the office and improve my office. I'm going to improve my boss. And we, we exhaust ourselves trying to improve when maybe, maybe the call of God on all of our lives is to see the best in people and call that out in them. I, I, I'm convinced that the church would be a much more inviting place if we would actually take on this mantle of Jesus. If every Sunday that we got to church, we'd say to ourselves, how can I call out the best in people? How can I say, I see you. I see this about you. This is an amazing thing about you. And what if we spent most of our time calling out the best in people? The thing is, it's very clear here that um, Nathaniel, uh, he doesn't right away take this. So some of us, we have tried this. We have tried this. I'm going to be an encourager. And, um, and then people don't take our encouragement. And so we think, fine, I'm going back to the improvement police. <laughs> it's better. Because sometimes, have you ever done this before? You've complimented somebody and then they've been like, no, I don't receive that. Like, they don't, they don't actually say that, but they kind of, like, look at you like, what do you want? Or, like, you call out the best in your children, and then they act naughtier. And you think to yourself, this is not a strategy that's working for me. I'm going back to the improvement police. Now, I'm not saying that there is not a time, and we see in the life of Jesus, that there are times to call out truth in people. That is true. But I, I, I hear Christians talking all the time about calling each other out on things. Like, like this, is what they, this is the majority of how they speak to one another. When I think we look at the life of Jesus and think that the majority of his time was spent calling out the best in people. 
And so maybe this is a bit of, this is a bit of a challenge to me this week. How much of my time is spent seeking life to people? Telling people that they can win and that, wow, I see that in you. Versus how much time of my life is spent nitpicking and causing people to feel less than. Now, Nathaniel didn't accept this of Jesus right away. He says, how do you know me? Now, sometimes I think we've read this, like, how do you know me? Like, so nice. Like, he was so amazing. He wasn't. He wasn't. It's, it's an exclamatory statement. He was, like, annoyed. Like, who do you think you are? Basically, that's the translation. Who do you think you are? Why, do, why are you saying this? Because Nathaniel knew himself, right? He knew that he was not... I mean, we all know ourselves. And Jesus, so then that, that leads us uh, to this. I wanted, we're going to come back to this. But I, I want you to see how Philip got Nathaniel to come and see Jesus, even in the first place. I want you to notice that he just said three words, come and see. He didn't have like a big argument for Nathaniel. He didn't like have a 14-point plan of like how we know that Jesus was the Messiah. He did not open up the Torah and look at Isaiah and say, here, all, by the way, he actually was born in Bethlehem, so you don't have to be worried. <sighs> Some of us, this idea of talking to people about Jesus, is it, oh, we're nervous about it because we get all the words wrong. And so we think, I cannot do that. I cannot, there is absolutely no way for me to do it, so I'm just going to be in disobedience to God. We don't say that out loud, but our lives say that. And I, I, I want to just point to Nathaniel's um, evangelism plan here. Come and see. Come and see this Jesus. And for some of us, this takes the uh, pressure off us a little bit, to, just to say to people, hey, come and see. Come and see that I know you've got questions. I know you've got, I know you've got uh, crankiness about maybe the church has hurt you or maybe people have hurt you or maybe religion has hurt you. But hey, just come and see. Come and see. I was thinking about this a little bit this week because I thought, you know, in some ways, uh, Philip had the opportunity to say to Nathaniel, come and see this Jesus physically. And for some of us, uh, the only Jesus that people will see will be us. And the question the Holy Spirit began to whisper to me, if I say, come and see to people, come and see this Jesus, is there anything of Jesus that they see in me? And this is challenging to me because I think, how, how, how do we become the kind of people for whom when we say the word, come and see, people actually can see something of Jesus in us? Now, this doesn't leave us as an excuse, because all of a sudden then I was like, well, then I'm off the hook. Because if it's Monday morning, maybe people aren't going to see much of Jesus in me. Okay, fine, I won't even see, come and see. And some of us do that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You know, there have been weeks in my life where there's nothing for you to see here. Don't look here. But I, I kind of have this suspicion that if we would get up in the morning and not say I'm going to argue with people. Listen, we're never going to argue anybody into the kingdom. Nobody ever said, I came to Jesus because I didn't believe him really. Somebody argued me into, no, no, people just come to Jesus because they encounter God in us and through us. But I think, I have a sneaking suspicion that if we got up every day and said, Jesus, would you make yourself known in me? And if we said to people, would you just 
come and see this Jesus in me, that more people would be attracted to him than, than uh, we could imagine. I got a little bit of a glimpse of this when I was, um, I was 23 years old and my, um, my brother had just died in a really tragic accident. Um, I'd had a number of relationships that crashed and burned. And to say that I was um, depressed would probably be a pretty good understatement. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to go. I had this degree, but I felt like I couldn't work. I, could, I just stayed in my basement, basically. If you've been a basement dweller before, I have been there. And I felt the Holy Spirit just say to me, um, I'm with you in the darkness. And I'm with you in the light. And I will be evident in the darkness as much as in the light. Well, I had a friend that was wild who said, um, hey, maybe you should come work at our church, which is the weirdest thing ever because I was like a depressed person with, who couldn't really stop crying. Mostly I just cried and um, and played the four chords. On, I told you this. This is where I played the four chords on my guitar, very minor chords, sad chords. Nobody was going to triumphantly come to Jesus through my life at this time, okay? E minor was my favorite chord, and I played it often, and I played it loud. So he said, I think you should come work at our church, which we're going to get to in a minute. I, I believe it was a word from God. And... Um, I said, okay, what will I do? And he said, well, we want you to go into the high schools and share the gospel with people. <laughs> this seemed like the craziest idea of all time. I'm like quite a shy person too. So even in the best of my days, to go into a high school, and high school, listen, let's all admit here, adults, high school, let's pray for the teen. High school was hard. There, there is nobody that went to a high school that was high school musical. I just... <laughs> That is a lie that the world is telling teenagers. I mean, who in their right mind really wants to go back to high school? And anyway, so I, I thought, well, I will go back, but no one's going to let me in because this is in Canada in the 90s. And um, they didn't let pastors come in to, um, or like church workers come into high schools, especially not where I was in Ontario. And so like I... Um, I, I decided, well, what I'll do is I'll kind of, and I did this purpose, I'm going to sabotage myself. I thought, like, because if I could, I could staple papers, that sounded like something I could do at the time, but not going to high school. So I went into every high school, and I went to the front desk, and I said, hello, I'm a Pentecostal, because you know that would make them nervous. I'm a Pentecostal pastor, and I'd like to come in and pray for all your students in this high school every day. What I was hoping for was a, you're not welcome here. And I, I tried to like be like very, like it was going to be very, very, I do think I did mention tongues once or twice. <laughs> and I want to tell you that I expected every high school to say goodbye, thank you for not playing with us. And every high school was like, sure, would you like to come in? Here's an office for you. Uh, we'll be happy to have you come. Do I need to come to the office every day and tell you that I'm here? Because I was hoping to get like a cranky person to tell me I can't. No, 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 no. Here's your badge. You can. It was super. I got into every. There were 10 high schools in our city. All 10 high schools said, come on 
morning. So that was that. So then I went for plan two. I thought, I'm just going to sit there. I am just going to sit, sit there and eat lunch lady pizza. And I went to like almost every lunch of every, there was 10 high schools, so I couldn't get to everyone every day, but I'd go to like starting at the 10.30 lunch at one of them, then I'd go, so like I was eating a lot of pizza, a lot of pizza and fries. And I would just sit in these schools, and I can't remember the Holy Spirit just saying, I am going to be in your darkness, I am going to be with you in your, in your good times, in your bad times. I was in a very bad time. I would sit at the thing, I think some days my hair was barely brushed. And I would sit at this little cafeteria eating my pizza and I would just pray, Jesus, I guess you've got to make something of this because I certainly can't. And I, I, would, um, I would sit there and kids would come and sit next to me and say, we heard that you're a Christian. My family's in a really bad spot right now. Can you tell me about Jesus? And this happened so many times that... Um, it was wild. I would go to the food court and eat Edo. Lots of Edo in those days. <laughs> so before I had four kids that I had to think about feeding or a husband that would feed me. And I would sit in the food court and people would come from the food court. I remember getting a key made because finally our church decided that it would be a good idea if they gave me keys to the church. So I went to get keys made and the girl said, Is there, there's something different about you. Could you tell me about what's different? I mean, it was supernatural. We saw many kids come to Jesus, and many of them still serve the Lord. And I've asked them now. One of the girls who sat down beside me, I said, so like, what made you think that I would be a good person? She said, I had no, I look at it now. We laugh about it now. She's probably only about, she's in her 12th grade year. She said, I have no idea. You were definitely too old. Not really cool. But see, here's the thing. When we begin to say, Jesus, come and see, when we, we begin to get that, like, I, I had nothing to lose. Some of you right now, you have nothing to lose. You're in the best spot ever. And you'll just say, God, would you help me to be a come and see kind of person? God somehow does something with that. But it is about, part of it is, um, my at the time, my pride was so broken, I had nothing, I had nothing. And some of us, our pride is still there and in the way. Now, I would suggest you would pray, not pray that your pride has to get broken before you get that. I would suggest that you would say, God, help me to be the kind of person that people can see Jesus in. That people can see Jesus in when times are good and people can see Jesus in when times are bad. These are the kind of people that we need to become. Come and see kind of people. Because what would it mean if people could actually see Jesus in you when you're walking through that really hard valley? And what would it mean if people could see Jesus in you when things are going great and right? Listen, since that time in my life, every time I go out, I'm saying, Jesus, would you help me to, to, to let people see Jesus in me? And that is a good reminder for me when I'm driving on the Deerfoot and get another rock in my windshield. And it's a good reminder when I'm in the store in the long lineup. And you know when you go in those 16 or less items? and somebody has like 29 items, it's ah, a good reminder, right? All these places in our lives that we would say, Could, can I be a come and see kind of Christian? Let me just give you another observation here. 
uh, operating in the power of the Holy Spirit will often be a sign for skeptics. Um, so in the natural, uh, Jesus isn't just, he isn't just nice, although he is nice and he is encouraging. Uh, that's not enough for Nathaniel. I, I want to say this, uh, Jesus actually has to have a, a word of knowledge. Hey, Nathaniel, I know that you don't believe me when I'm speaking to you, but I saw you underneath the fig tree. And Nathaniel goes from like, who do you think you are, to like, you are the king, you are the Messiah, you sign up. I was thinking about this a little, a little bit this week because I was thinking about how often, um, I, like it's easy to sell um, that we just have to be kind to people. And I do think we do need to be kind to people. We actually have to walk in that come and see kind of way. But, but I want to tell you that if Jesus needed a word of knowledge, if he needed the power of the Holy Spirit and supernatural power, uh, you and I are, uh, need the power of the Holy Spirit and supernatural working as well. It is not enough for us just to be kind. We actually have to be people of the Spirit. If Jesus needed a word of knowledge to get his disciples together, well, listen, you're gonna ha you and I are going to have to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit all the time. First uh, Corinthians uh, 12, 1 through 11, I would just encourage you to, to study that this week and maybe think about coming to that Holy Spirit encounter this weekend because I, I believe that the world is looking for people that are connected to something more than themselves. The world is looking for people that will hear the voice of God and that will then speak it out. And that, um, for a lot of us, that, that's hard because it means we got to let go of control. <laughs> like a lot of you have already, you've already, you've, you've gone on, you've moved on to point five now in your mind because you think that's not for me because I'm not like, I'm not really spiritual like that. I don't really, I don't really go in that zone. I think the gifts are over. Because that's what we say when we're nervous, right? Like when we don't want to do something. Oh, that's over now. That part's over. But there's nowhere in the Bible that says that that's over. And in fact, Jesus said, you're going to do the same things I have done. You're going to do greater, even more things, more in number. So Jesus had a word of knowledge. You're up next. Okay, so here's the thing. How does that happen in real life? Because like I know for, um, do you remember when, uh, so those of you that are married, I talk about this to young adults often. I, I'm going to forthcoming have a book out called Treat It Like a Job. You can talk to me about that at another time. But anyways, this is something else. Uh, I, I often talk to young adults saying, like when you meet the person that you're going to marry, you often have this idea that it's going to be like, like the heavens are going to open and the voice of the Lord's going to come out saying, this is the one that you should marry. And the angels are going to sing. But okay, for those of us that are married, no, no, that is not what happened. You made a decision, right? You, 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 you used logic, you used the voice of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you did use spiritual things. Most of it is like every decision, right? We want uh, any decision to be like God saying, yes, this is the job you should take. Now you should ask for a raise. Now you should, like, like, can you imagine if we had like little like FBI earpieces to God? Come to the front and when you give your life to Jesus, we'll hook you up with one of these in-ear things. That would be so awesome. And yet it's not the way life is. 
I think some of us, when we think about operating in the gifts of the Spirit, that's what we think about too. Uh, we think that, okay, well, I will do that when I know for sure. Like when I know for sure I'm not going to be wrong because in Deuteronomy they said they would stone prophets who were wrong. So like, so a lot of us in theory, we believe 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but we think, well, and this is how we get ourselves out of it. We go, well, the Holy Spirit hasn't called on me yet to do that, any of those things. Mostly I have the uh, ministry of being nice, mostly. <laughs> Tuesday through Saturday. And, and, and the Holy Spirit actually is calling on us to be people who operate. In the, so how do we do that? How do we, how do we be like Jesus? Because he didn't give us like, here's a um, seminar, 14 points on how you walk in the gifts. Do you know how you do it? You take one step out of the boat. So this is, this is the thing. Some of you will, uh, when, I, when I go to talk to anybody, this is just what I say, a little prayer to God. This is why you're praying all the time. This is why the, the, the epistles say pray all the time, at all times. Before I go to talk to anybody, I'm saying, God, would there be something that you would have me speak to somebody that would be a word of truth to them? And I don't always preface it like, thus saith the Lord of hosts. We were at Safeway, and God wants me to... I, sometimes I'll just say something like, hey, I'm just wondering, have you ever sensed this or know this? Or I, I, I'm telling you, I, I think that the Lord wants us to be the kind of church that would operate in those gifts. Because there are skeptics that need those gifts. There are people that need it. They need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Listen, Nathaniel would have been standing on the outside forever. If all Jesus had said, hey, behold, an Israelite with whom there is no guile, he actually needed Jesus to say, I see you under the fig tree. By the way, by the way, this is what's so awesome about Jesus. That statement, a figure, uh, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathaniel probably was under, well, he was under a fig tree, but it also, there's a double uh, meaning there. When rabbis um, would study the word of God, uh, Jewish scholars would say this about them, that they were studying under a fig tree. The idea was is that if you were very serious about the Word of God, if you were very serious about the things of God, that you would um, study under these big fig trees. When Jesus said, hey, Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree, both literally and figuratively, he was calling out the best in Nathaniel. Now, some of us read this text and we think, well, only Jesus could do this. But theologically, we can't live there because it's not, Jesus doesn't say, and by the way, this one was only for me. Jesus laid hands on people and they recovered. We believe that we could be called to do that too. I want to encourage many of you to begin to ask the Lord, how could I be used in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? How can I be used? How can I be stretched that way? Some of you will be very challenged by that and others of you will be excited by that. Some of you will think, oh, I hope that we don't talk about this for a while. I, I want to just encourage you, just take that little step. Take that little step. Begin to say, God, would you just give me, and, and listen, you don't have to have 17 badges of Christian badges to be used in the Holy Spirit. Any of us at any time can be used by the Holy Spirit. That's what's great about the kingdom of God. It's a flat kingdom. It's not a hierarchical kingdom where only people that get the microphone get to have, say that there's somebody in here with a back problem. We're going to pray for it. We all can be used in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
blessing is this. Jesus reminds Nathaniel that belief is just the beginning. So it's interesting. Uh, he has this word of knowledge for him, and then Nathaniel says, yes, I believe you. And then Jesus, he says, you're going to see greater things than that. And then he says this really weird little verse on the end. He says, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, I think many of us read that and go, oh, that's nice. What a nice poem Jesus just ended with there. Jesus loved poems. What was he talking about? Well, what was he saying to Nathaniel? Well, it's interesting because this is a, a direct um, take from Genesis chapter 28. Jacob. We talked about Jacob a little bit last week, Pastor Phil did. And we talked about uh, this is, Jesus is saying, hey, listen, he's making reference to the fact that he is going to become um, the ladder from heaven to earth. He's the one who's going to bridge the divide between God and man. But he's also saying to Nathaniel, listen, believing is just the beginning. If you have studied Genesis chapter 28, you'll recognize that um, Jacob was a terrible, just basically a ter all around terrible kind of guy. He was a liar. He was a cheat. He was the worst. And then God has this wrestling encounter with him and he's changed. And God says, your name is no longer Jacob, it's Israel. And anytime the New Testament references Jacob, it's a reminder that no matter where you find yourself today, no matter what hard moment you find yourself in, that God, that Jesus is able to transform us. He's able to take us from just merely believers to people who Jesus can, people can see Jesus inside of us. And some of you have been stuck for a long time. If you're honest, you'd say like, I've known Jesus, but I, I, I kind of, I've kind of remained the same for the last however long can I say the same words to Jesus to you I tell you the truth you shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man and you shall see greater things than that I believe that God wants to transform each and every one of us I believe that God in this place today wants to have a Nathaniel encounter with many of you today would you just close your eyes and bow your heads you know, just as I was praying this morning, I, I believe that there are many of you that came to church this morning like Nathaniel. You might come to church and you might be a person that like gets, um, like you're obedient and you're coming. But you know in your heart that you're saying things like, I don't know, I don't even know, how does this God even know me? We talk about him knowing me, but I don't feel like he knows me. This morning, I believe that Jesus wants to encounter you with all your doubts, with all your questions. Can you just, in this moment, would you just say to God, Jesus, here I am. Would you just come and see for a moment this Jesus? God, I pray that you would encounter people in this place in a powerful way. There are those of you that are um, followers of Jesus and um, you, you want your life to count for more. You, you, you want to have more of an impact. today you recognize maybe one of two things. Maybe you need to begin to see the best in people. 
call it the best in people. Or number two, maybe, maybe you need to stretch yourself in things of the Spirit and say, God, I, I'm willing to be used by you. If that's you this morning, I, I want to pray for you directly. I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit would just ask me to pray for you directly. If that's you, you'd say, yeah, I want to be used in the things of the Spirit more. I, I, want, I want to be brave like Jesus to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit and step out in faith. If that's you, can I, I just would like you to just raise your hand. I want to pray for you this morning. Yeah, all across the place, yeah. Yeah, so God, you see these hands. I, I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us courage now to become people of the Spirit, to become people that walk in the things of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us words of wisdom and knowledge. Would you unleash your, um, your Holy Spirit to work in our midst? God, may we not think of ourselves as less than, but God, may we think of ourselves as everything. You've created us with everything we need for godliness for life impact. God, I, I pray that you would stir us. Stir us, God, to grow in the things of you. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, head over to myjourney.church or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.